welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. And thank you for watching. If you're watching from home, recovering from the many Christmases that maybe you experienced digitally this year. Um, We decided to end this year with Christmas stories. It's only two days after Christmas. Some of us start celebrating Christmas on November 1st, and so uh, we like to extend it at the beginning, and we like to extend it at the end. I'm going to listen to Christmas music until people tell me not to, and uh, that's just where I'm at. So today we're going to just wrap up our our Christmas story series. Uh, The past couple weeks, last week we didn't like skip a week, but we talked a lot about Jesus, and it was our Christmas production, our team did such an amazing job of putting our Christmas production together, and um, thank you guys. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you guys for watching. If you watched, uh, we're so glad that we got the chance to, to do that this year. And uh, today, we're just going to end our Christmas story series by talking about I'm not my fault, and I'll get to that in a second. There's a story that I like about two monks. One monk was old, and one monk, one monk was young. They reached a the town. They're walking. They're traveling. They reached a the town where there was a woman waiting to step out of, out of her sedan chair. The rains had made deep puddles and she couldn't step across without spoiling her silk robes. She stood there looking very cross and impatient. She was scolding her attendants and they had nowhere to place the packages they held for her so they couldn't help her step across the puddle. The younger monk noticed the woman, said nothing, and walked by. The older monk quickly picked her up and put her on his back transported her across the water and put her down on the other side. She didn't thank the older monk. She just shoved him out of the way and departed. As they continued on their way, the young monk was brooding and preoccupied. After several hours, unable to hold his silence, he spoke out. That woman back there was very selfish and rude, but you picked her up on your back and carried her, and then she didn't even say thank you. The older monk replied, I set that woman down hours ago. Why are you still carrying her? And, uh, oh, burn. Old monks will do that, right? That's that old man wisdom. Um, So as we've been talking about uh, in this Christmas story series, just kind of the stories that we tell ourselves. Some of us maybe don't realize. uh, We're going to get to that. I'll leave that up there. Um, some of us maybe don't realize the stuff that we're still carrying and, you know, still, obviously, we do realize what we're still experiencing. 2020 is going to be our best year ever. Uh, we got four days left. Hopefully, everything gets fixed in the next four days and uh, supernaturally vaccinated or whatever happens, makes everything good for everybody all the time. I'm just done arguing about it. That's where I'm pretty much at. So, uh, we've, been, we've just been talking about the kind of the Christmas stories, the stories around Christmas, but also the stories that we tell ourselves. And many of us got together with our families, and you probably read the Christmas story this week and talked a lot about Jesus. We've been celebrating him. He's the reason for the season. All that's wonderful and beautiful. And Jesus is very much a God and a deity uh, made flesh. And he's, you know, um, he's here among us and all of that. Uh, But throughout this time together, Uh, I think it's important that we're reminded that all the people around Jesus were not deities as well, and they're not characters in a story. They're human beings. They're real people that lived a real life and struggled with the things that we struggle with. There are some things that uh, 
for all of human history have been difficult for human beings. Some questions that have been really large that we've tried to answer. Some, uh, there's always, you know, we think we don't like stuff today that happens to us. I mean, that's never been a thing in all of human history. We all don't like something at some point in history and, uh, and all of that. I, I think that, you know, in my mind, whenever there were, there were, you know, whenever, before the printing press was invented, whenever the monks were transcribing all the Bible and stuff like by hand and writing that, they're like looking at each other going, we are living at the best time in world history right now. Isn't that amazing? We have all this paper that we can write on. We do that with iPhones. They're doing that with uh, candles and papyrus, I guess. <laughs> but all throughout human history, regardless of the progress, we've, we've been human. And so I want, to look at, I want to look at the lives of the people around Jesus in the context of that. So in Luke chapter 2, really well-known passage of Scripture, especially around this time of year, we're going to end the Christmas story series and end this, end this uh, year um, um, on Sunday talking about the birth of Jesus. The Bible tells us that at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria and all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, a time came for her baby to be born, also known as Jesus. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room available in the inn. And uh, many of us have nativity scenes in our home. We've seen a bunch of nativity scenes this year. We look at those every year, and isn't it just so sweet? No room in the inn for little baby Jesus, and everything was wonderful, and Mary just laid him in the manger with a little smile on her face because that's how all women react right after they have a child. <laughs> now, some of you have never been, been in a uh, situation or a room where someone was being born. Um, I can tell you, having two kids of my own and being in the room for both of their births, it wasn't, there was a lot that happened after. Okay, first of all, I'm not going to get into it. You'll learn, those of you that have not had kids, you'll learn what happens after the baby's born. That's a whole other thing, okay? Uh, there is not a, it's like, oh, this baby's born. Yes, I'm going to try my best to smile right now. This is such a blessing. On your first one, it's like, this is over the top. You're crying, you're emotional, all of that. Um, the dad especially, you know, he's done so much work to get it to that point. And uh, just so, so glad that it's over, right? Uh, most, most uh, well, at least I don't, most women I know, I'm not in the room when they had their kids. But my wife, uh, there's a lot of uh, pushing right? A lot of exertion. I mean, usually when we're like the best version of ourselves, like physically and, and uh, um, like beauty wise, is probably not when we're at the height of human exertion, okay? Like when you're sprinting, when you're all out sprinting, is not the time that you probably just have an absolute smile on your face and you're just loving everything about life. Now, if that's you, that's beautiful. And the rest of us are human beings though. So, just let us talk for a second. So anyway, we have this picture of Jesus and his birth. It's just, oh, it's just so wonderful. Epidurals were a thing back then. I bet you didn't know that. And there was a doctor there. And, 
Everything was cool and there was no blood or like any other weird stuff happening. They were just in, the, they were just in this nice little wood thing and it had like hay on the top and the wise men were there and then there was a, like at least one camel, depending on how much money you have to afford a certain nativity set. I know there's like a donkey, it might have been chickens, not sure, right? This is how we imagine that this scene played out and we don't humanize these people. So in the first century, this is really what a Jewish home looked like. Okay, so when the Bible tells us there's no room in the inn for Jesus, there was like paid lodging, but it wasn't like a hotel, you know. Um, but Joseph and Mary would have most likely stayed with relatives because Bethlehem was where he was from. So there was no place for, him, for them to go. Um, and what that means, so they, they had him, he was, you know, born in a barn and all the angels smiled on him. Now, some people say it was maybe a cave. Some people say it was like maybe like a hut or something. This is actually probably most likely what it was. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole history of it, but I just want to paint a picture of the humanity surrounding this experience of Jesus being born. Okay? Um, typical first century Jewish home. There were kind of two stories. One was the first story. It was basically like a storeroom, like a closet, like a barn and a pantry mixed together. Okay? You would only bring the animals inside if there was inclement weather. On the second story was kind of where everyone lived, right? So, so Joseph and Mary show up to this house. They're like, we don't have any place to stay to put you. We could put you uh, in the pantry where we have the animals and all the food and stuff. And I guess that'll be fine because at least you have a roof over your head. Okay, then Jesus was laid in a manger. And this is what like a manger looked like. It was a trough that they put animal food in. Now, uh, just another reminder Running water wasn't a thing. You don't just go rinse out the manger and get it ready for Jesus. Okay, so we're not quite sure what it was like, but it wasn't probably the most sanitary of conditions. So all throughout Israel and old parts of the world, there's, there's these troughs that are kind of in, in old cities and stuff because this is just what animals would, would eat out of, right? And then uh, we have the journey from Jerusalem or from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. Now this is about a 70-mile straight shot from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Okay, the only problem with that was there's this region called Samaria in the middle. And if you know anything about Jews and Samaritans, they hated each other, right? And so Joseph would not have gone through Samaria. He would have had to go around, which, which would have taken a 70-mile journey and turned it into a 90-mile journey. And now we come to the, another wonderful picture of we're just having such a good time on our journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Mary, you're pregnant and you're riding on a donkey. And aren't you enjoying that? Isn't it wonderful? There's no such thing as a saddle or anything. And maybe she had a donkey, maybe she didn't. But this is what we imagine, that for 90 miles, Joseph and Mary were on this beautiful journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And they smiled the whole time and nothing was hard. It was just beautiful because Jesus was coming to the world. Um, if you've ever been pregnant before, not that I have, but I don't imagine... A, walking for 90 miles to be preferable. I don't imagine riding a donkey for 90 miles would be maybe any better. Maybe your legs are less tired, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on as well. I'll tell you from my own personal experience, I have personally uh, accomplished the major life milestone of completing two half marathons. And uh, thank you. I'm going to put the sticker on my car. Um, average is about a 20-minute mile, in case you're curious. 
dead serious. That's not even a joke, but thank you. Um, go out and get a 20-minute mile today. I bet it's harder than you think. <laughs> that's a uh, slow walk, if you're wondering. If you've never walked a mile before, that's about as slow as you'd walk around a mall if you were allowed to go in one. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, I digress. Doing 13 miles at once uh, was absolutely awful. It was the worst thing I've ever chosen to do in my life. The worst thing I've ever paid for, and that is not even hyperbole. It's just absolutely, if you wanted to figure out how to torture me in the worst way possible, just say, we're going to have you run slash walk. Obviously, there wasn't a lot of running happening if I'm averaging 20 minutes. Uh, we're going to have you run slash walk for about 13 miles, which uh, you do the math. I don't know how much 160 minutes is, but <laughs> it's longer than it should be. So, uh, so I think about a pregnant person at the, at the third term of their pregnancy taking a 90-mile journey that probably took a week to 10 days, depending on how fast Joseph and Mary could go, and how Mary in this situation is so blessed and highly favored, and that's what the angel told her. And Mary, you're just blessed and highly favored, and God is with you. And then, the, and then, and then you're going to take a 90-mile, you're not only going to have this kid that you, don't even, that you didn't even want, okay? Mary didn't ask for this. We talked about that the first week of this series. You're not only going to have this kid, uh, you're going to have this kid in a circumstance you don't want to be in. You know, Joseph and Mary had like a, probably a pretty nice spot in Nazareth already picked out. They had this whole plan, and then here comes Emperor Augustus. I want a census, which didn't happen all that often in the Roman Empire. So in my mind, I'm thinking, God, you know, like, this is your son, okay? Can you just, like, not with all this other stuff? Like, I don't, I'm going to have this baby. I'm going to do it for you. Yes, it's all for the, it's all for the king. It's all, for, it's all for God. Have Jesus. But why do I got to travel you know, 70 miles to do it. Why do I got to go through all this stuff I got to go through? Why do we have to get to the town after we've been on the road for 70, 90 miles for 10 days? I mean, imagine walking all day, every day for 10 days. You're pregnant or your wife's pregnant. I know for guys, it's much harder for you to have your wife be pregnant than for them to actually be pregnant. It's what husbands, is the way husbands often are, uh, you know, they do 90, 90% of the work. We get 90% of the tired. And, um, and so this is Mary and Joseph, and they show up to this town where Joseph's relatives live. And there's no place for them to stay, like for real. You guys are my family. Like not all y'all are having kids. We're getting ready to have a kid, and we got to sleep in the animal room? I thought y'all were my, my family. Like some of us, we've just come out of Christmas and we're grateful we didn't have to go be around our family and get treated that way. But this is Joseph. This is the first Christmas. He's the first guy. He's, these aren't even his in-laws, right? These are like his actual family that obviously don't really want him around all that much because they're like, mm, dude, you know, I guess you had to come for the census so you and your pregnant wife can uh, chill with the animals, I guess. Think they couldn't have made room for the guy? Anyway, this doesn't seem like a really great situation. This doesn't seem like... The king is coming, is coming to the earth. I imagine Mary in her mind, like replaying this, this whole prophecy that the angel gave to her. Like, you have found favor with God. The Lord is with you. Totally seems that way now. Totally seeing that, God. Totally feeling that. Right? Didn't God know this son was going to be born? All, that, all this different stuff. If I'm Joseph, here's what I'm thinking. I'm in the wrong place, the wrong time 
with the wrong people and the wrong things are happening. This is, none of this is of God. None of this is a God thing. Like if God was really in this, would this situation really be playing out the way that it is? It makes absolutely no sense to me. I thought this was like, I mean, maybe you wouldn't feel that way. Maybe you're like a much better, uh, they didn't even have Christians back then, so maybe you're a much more spiritual person than me. Like you would just be able to go, oh no, it's Jesus, he's coming, and it's God's son, so obviously all of this is preferable. It's the best version of having a kid that there, that there ever is. In my mind, I'd be thinking, I think, Mary, you're a liar. That's what I think. And this whole situation just confirms that with me, that like you made all this stuff up, because you're telling me this is the son of God, and this is how he's entering the world. We gotta, we gotta travel all the way to Bethlehem, okay? We get there. We got nowhere to stay, right? On and on, on and on and on I could go. And um, I could keep going because I'm really great at, at uh, finding all of the clouds in the silver lining. So this whole thing's a recipe for disaster. I mean, if I'm Joseph, I'm like, this is, this is doomed from the start. Like, what are we even doing? Can I just, can we just, maybe, we, maybe it's still not, maybe it's just not too late. Maybe we can still go our separate ways. And Mary, you can just, uh, you and Jesus can go do whatever, and I'm going to go do something fun. Um, or just even enjoyable. So I pause to say, I want you to, I want to, I'm going to give you 30 seconds, and I want you to do something for me, and then we'll get back to uh, my complaints about the life of Joseph and Jesus and all of that. I want you to write two lists for me. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. We're going to do a little timer, and I want you to write two lists for me. The first list I want you to write, and you can take out your phone, whatever, and uh, I want you to start this. First list is I want you to write down all the things you can't control. All the things you're just not in control of in life right now. And uh, maybe next to that list or on a separate piece of paper or whatever, I want you to write all the things that you can control. Okay? So, ready? All right. We'll start the 30-second clock now. Hopefully we made some progress on our list. I, I, uh, I encourage you as you go home today to really think about um, these two lists and really spend some time on it as we go into next year. Because um, there's a third list that I'm, I'm not really going to get into today, but that, that goes alongside this list, and that's what do you worry the most about? And uh, you can come back and see how those things, maybe all three of those things connect. Um, but no matter how much time you spend on this list, let me just fast forward your story of spending time on this list. Here's what, here's what you'll realize. Um, uh, as you're writing this list, one of the conclusions you may come to is that we can only control ourselves. So I can't control, like, uh, I mean, I can control if I vote, right? I can't control personally who the president is, no matter how much I, you know, get upset or not on social media or otherwise. Um, I can't control whether or not coronavirus goes away, right? I can't control whether or not a business uh, has a policy that puts me in a position to wear a mask. 
Um, what I can do, right, is control how I respond to those things. But all that comes back to me controlling myself, right? And so, so there's week one, we talked about the way that we think, that we can control the way that we think. Then week two, we talked about our attitude, that our attitude is much more than feelings, but we can control uh, our, our attitudes. And then today, we're just going to talk about what we do. You and I can control what we do. So we have thinking, attitudes, actions, um, and then us being able to control the things, that we, the things that we can control. So if I can only control myself, really the three things that make me me are my thoughts, my attitudes, and my actions. Um, those things determine what I have in life. Here at Elevate Life, one of the things that, one of the formulas that we use, one of the ways we talk about this is we talk about think, be, and do. The way you're thinking, your think, your be, and your do determine what you have in life. How you think will always determine your attitude. Your attitude will always determine your actions, and your actions will always determine what you have in life. This has nothing to do with external situations or circumstances or things that lie outside of our control. So if I had negative thoughts, then I'm probably going to have a negative attitude. And how many of us know if someone has a negative attitude, usually they do negative things. You don't typically run into a person who's positive but is also doing negative stuff. It's like, you know, usually a correlation there. So how I think, how I be, i.e. my attitude, and what I decide to do, the actions that I take, will ultimately determine what I have in life. Our thinking determines our attitudes, our attitudes determine our actions, and our actions will determine what we have in life. So here's the good news. Back to Joseph and Mary. Jesus was here. Everything's changed for the better, right, for us. Joseph and Mary are living in a very real situation, though. A pretty great thing happened for the world. I mean, we know this. And I'm not, I'm not up here, you know, making light of the story of Mary and Joseph uh, just, just because nothing big happened. I mean, Jesus came to the world and the plan of God became a person. Now, how much do, do, do we think, honestly, that mattered to Joseph and Mary? I mean, I hope that it did. But it's hard when we're living through the difficulty of circumstances that lie beyond our control to see beyond those circumstances themselves. Like how many of us just absolutely have hated this year, right? What if God had a plan to do something really great after this year? Yeah, but this year's so awful and I wish it was different and I wish it would change and on and on and on I could go. Because our focus is usually just on the present moment that we're living in. And that's okay, it's human. There's nothing wrong with that. Joseph and Mary were also human, though. And so you can imagine the situation that they found themselves in. I mean, God could have decided to send Jesus to the earth however he wanted to. You know, Jews have a hard time accepting Jesus as the Messiah because he wasn't born like a king. I mean, the, the, the Old Testament talks about the, this king who's going to come and restore the kingdom and all of this, this prophesied Messiah, the Christ, and all of this. And then this is how the the ultimate like fulfillment of all God's plans and all God's promises comes to the earth in this just most abnormal, like below average way. Uh, if I'm Joseph and Mary, I'm going to have to remind myself that this child is a blessing and a gift, even though the past few weeks have been absolutely brutal, like absolutely awful even though I'm having to deal with all kinds of questions about who's the actual father of this kid, and I'm going to have to deal with that like his whole life. If I'm honest with myself, if I'm Joseph, 
I'm probably going to find a way to blame this whole situation for a bunch of issues in my life. You know, like, Jesus, look, okay, maybe I'm not the best dad, but guess what? We had to go through all this stuff whenever you were born, and now that's, like, affected me in this way. So, so you know what, Jesus? I have this issue because of all this stuff that happened outside of, this, outside of my control. Because in all reality, it's not even my fault. I'm not in control of this thing anyway. I didn't decide for this to happen. I didn't decide. For, but you know what? Now i got to deal with it. And now this is my life. And now this, is, now this is where I'm at. And now this is my issue because of this situation that happened on the outside of me. That's Joseph saying that. But man, we love to say that too. Like, you don't understand. I don't trust people because like five years ago, I trusted someone and they took advantage of that. So now I can never trust anybody again because this one person who's not even in my life anymore that like they made their own choices, but now they've forced me to not trust anybody else anymore. Or like, you know, you don't understand. I can't forgive anybody because I can't walk in forgiveness because like that person didn't forgive me back then. And so now I have an issue because of what that person did that I had no control over. And so the statement begins to shift from this situation is not my fault to I'm not my fault. It's one thing to look at an external situation like the one Joseph and Mary are in and say, you know what, like, it's not our fault. Augustus decided to take a census and we got to travel 70 miles to to Bethlehem and I know you're pregnant and we got to deal with all that. It's not our fault that there was no room for us and we gotta just figure out how to have this baby. Um, It's not my fault that like someone took advantage of me. It's not my fault that this traumatic thing happened. It's not my fault that I got this diagnosis. It's not my fault that this or that. That's like a very real statement about events. There are a lot of things in life that aren't our fault. Some of us have gotten in car wrecks. Like a car hits you like, you know, well, I guess I could have, I guess what I could have done differently is just not be here at this moment. I mean, there's not a lot you can do, right? But here's where, here's where we get messed up. When we start beginning to believe and act as if all of the things we aren't in control of are actually in control of us. So we say, because this thing happened, I'm this way. That's the problem. So stuff happens, for sure. But you're, only, you're in control of yourself, though. Like, if you look at the list you're writing about what you're in control of, I don't think uh, any one of us would say, I'm not in control of how I think. Every situation and circumstance I come into, that's the thing that's in control of how I think. I don't think any of us would really say, you know what, I'm not in control of my attitude, my spouse is. So if my spouse has a bad day, I have a bad day, I don't ever have a good day unless someone else is having a good day. But we act that way, right? I'm not in control of what I do. Like what I do, no responsibility. I didn't do anything, right? Maybe I did it, but I, I, you know, uh, innocent because I'm insane, right? Some of y'all watch true crime shows. Like, isn't that just such a cop out? Like, bro, you freaking killed those people and now you're crazy? Like, no, you're a murderer. Go to jail, right? Anyway. Temporary insanity, get out of here. So maybe you can claim temporary, temporary insanity about your whole life. I would suggest that you don't do that so you don't end up, you know, one floor over the cuckoo's nest with Nurse Ratchet. Uh, 
So we say in life, this thing caused me to have this issue. And because I have this issue, this is who I am. We can make a great case to other people and even to ourselves uh, that all of the things that happen in our life that we couldn't blame, that we faced, uh, have made us this way. My upbringing, my culture, you know, like the way that certain things were around me have made me who I am today. Um, but look at Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and look at, the story of, look at the story of Jesus. All of us know in this room, I mean, I know I'm like being silly about this whole story, and being like overdramatic about this whole journey that, that Joseph and Mary took, because the truth is, we all know how special the birth of Jesus is. Even if you're not a Christian, you understand this is the most, without exaggerating, the most important person that's ever been born in the history of the world, right? What made it special? Not the circumstances surrounding his birth, but who he is. All the external things that were outside of Mary and Joseph's control, we don't hang out on that around Christmas. You don't sit with your kids and go, you know, like all this bad stuff made Joseph and Mary like messed up and then they were bad parents and that's why we don't have Jesus anymore because they didn't raise him right. Like, so it's not the circumstances that surrounded his birth that made him special, it was who he was. The external things like had nothing to do with anything. In fact, they made his birth even more special because who he was was special already. What does he show us? What does Jesus show us through his birth? What is this season all about? All that matters in life is what you can't control. Like, I mean, honestly, you know, how much more can we talk about this year? I don't know. I didn't want to talk about it in March. Here we are nine months later, still talking about it. I can't control how much longer this thing goes on. Now they got this whole other strain that's happening. I mean, I guess we're just going to change, you know, just be the, 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 change the name of the earth to COVID. This is like to hold, you know, like, anyway. It's like, what if, like, okay, 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 right? So I can't, I can't control any of that. What I can do is I can control my response to that. I can control whether or not the external things that surround me and the things that happen to me become issues for me. I can't control what happens. I can always control my response to it. And that's all that really matters at the end of the day in life. Because here's the thing. You know, God doesn't trust me with much. And what I mean by that is like, he can't trust me to fix the world. Because I can't even control how I think about people. Like I can't even think right most of the time. It's like, hey, just have a good attitude. No, I don't really want to. Because that is awful. And I don't like that. Just like, here's how simple it is for Jesus. Hey, just love your neighbor as yourself. Wait, hang on. 2,000 years later, I don't really know if we're down for that, Jesus. Right? This is, this is like God knows who we are. Okay? And so God's not asking us to fix the world. God doesn't need any of us to change the world because the thing is we can't, we can't even change ourselves. Like for me, to, for me to like work on my thinking is almost impossible. Like people don't read books, they don't learn anything, they just kind of like live their life and hope that it all works out at the end of the day. When, when God's like, hey, okay, you have thoughts, you have a way that you think. Are those things positive or negative? Are they good or bad? Because your thinking is going to determine like your attitude, how you respond to situations. Well, you don't understand. 
like my boss is this way or my boss is that way or they made me come in and work on Christmas and like I don't you know I don't get paid I don't get paid enough to put up with all this stuff and on and on and on and then we do then we can't even like you know Paul Paul tells us in the Bible he says I don't do the things that I want to do and I do the things that I don't want to do and I'm confused in myself this is humanity so God makes it so simple for us and it's still really hard because simple is not always easy so God looks at me and he says, okay, like maybe, Josh, there's a plan for like everything. Like maybe all these external situations and all these things that lie outside of your control, maybe one day all of those will make sense at some point. Um, I don't need you to worry about any of that, though. I just want you to worry about your thinking, your attitudes, and your actions. Just you yourself. Don't worry about everyone else's stuff, who that person is, what that person's saying. Just you look at everything that happens around you and just go, how, how should I think about this? How should I respond to this in my attitude? And then what should I do? It's really simple, um, but also really hard to do. But we look at the story of Mary and Joseph and Jesus, and we know that uh, in some way, they responded positively to it because right in verse 8, all of a sudden, all the angels show up to the shepherds and they're like, praise be to God in the highest. They freak everybody out. And all of a sudden, all this beautiful stuff starts happening. Well, that didn't happen with Mary and Joseph. That happened with everybody else. They're having to live life and experience this, this thing. So all bad things are going to come to an end, right? Circumstances and situations are always going to change. But sometimes in life, what's fascinating to me is we create lifelong issues out of like temporary circumstances. So someone was bad. Like someone did something bad and it hurt us. That person's not even around anymore, but we still, but we have an issue. Like I put that woman down hours ago. Why are you still carrying her? That person's out of your life. Why does it even matter anymore? You're not punishing them by having an issue. You're punishing yourself. You're allowing an external situation. I mean, like some people aren't that great, okay? Let's just admit it. None of them are in this room, but they're not super cool, and they don't treat us right all the time. Maybe that's just the way that the world works, and I can't do anything about that. But what I can do is decide how I respond to those people, and I don't have to keep carrying them around. I don't have to let the, the, the silliness of how other people are, or how other circumstances have been, or how things are, affect me forever. And that's like really, again, I'm saying it, it's really simple. But there are deep things in, in each one of us that have hurt us. There are deep things externally that cause us anxiety, or make us worry, or make us freak out. But if I can take a step back from that moment and go, man, like, how does God want me to think about this? How, what should my attitude be? And what should I do? Then I'll have the kind of life I want to have because that, that situation and that circumstance is going to change. I love what Teddy Roosevelt said. He said, uh, do what you can with what you have where you are. It's that simple. Like, all of us want more money, sure. I just got the money I got right now. Some of you want a different marriage. Well, you're in the one that you're in. 
Some of us want more influence. Well, we got the influence we've got. So what are you going to do with what you have where you are right now? I love what Reinhold Niebuhr said. Um, and this, the, he, he came up with what we call the serenity prayer. And if you're familiar with the uh, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous uh, world, you've, you've probably heard this, this serenity prayer before. Um, but it's not just about that. It's, it's God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You know what serenity is? Serenity is a state of being calm, peaceful, and untroubled. That doesn't mean that we act as if everything's good. But it's like, God, can you just help me accept the things that lie outside of me that I have no influence over and help me just focus on the things that I can change? Help me know the difference between those things. Um, This is how we should live life, I feel. Like we can be people that complain about what we can't do with all the things that we don't have while we're in the wrong place, or we can do what we can with what we have, where we are, and let God take care of the rest of it. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the things that we have to come to this, this place in is understanding that there's like logic that governs the things that lie outside of us. But there's an, there's an omnipotent God that created the whole universe. He not only knows exactly what's gonna happen or what is happening, he has a plan for everything that's happening. And we should stop allowing the things that we're not in control of to control us. This is what we're doing. Like someone tells you to be afraid, you get afraid. We should be afraid of this. Well, okay, I, I guess I'll be afraid of that. Well, you know, flu season's coming up too. Oh man, I forgot to be afraid of that until y'all said that. And I don't know, I'm freaked out about that too. You know, I remember when, uh, I, I told this story on, on Christmas Eve, but I remember when, uh, when Charlie was born, you know, they do all these sonograms. And in my mind, like sonogram, they check for everything. Like they know everything about your baby before it's born because they do a sonogram. It's not true, by the way. Um, so they bring in this, when Charlie was born, they bring in this cart and it's to do a hearing test to see if she can hear. In my mind, I thought, oh my gosh, like, she could be deaf and I wouldn't even know it. I'd never been afraid of her like being deaf until that moment when I realized she could be that. I mean, that's outside of my control though. So, so many of us, we go through life and either someone puts us in a position where uh, they make us feel afraid of stuff or they make us feel certain ways or we decide that they can make us feel certain ways. Or we go, man, like, I know that that's what you're saying. But the Bible says God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You know what that means? Is that in any, in any situation and circumstance, we have power. What do we have power to do? Power to love. And we have power to control ourselves. So get a hold of yourself. Stop it. For real. Like, people, people of God, I'm not even talking about people of LA Life Church. People of God should be the least freaked out right now. And we should be also, by the way, um, thank you. (laughs) We should also be the most obedient to whatever processes are put in place. Why? Because I can just control myself. So guess what? I can go to a restaurant and have a good attitude about it. I gotta wear a mask, whatever. I don't get to control that. 
If I'm like the owner of my own restaurant, sure, don't wear a mask when you come to my restaurant. But I'm not the owner of the restaurant. I just happen to be in the restaurant today. So I'm going to be a good citizen, right? I can't, I can't control a whole bunch of stuff, but I can control my response to it, which is my thinking, my attitudes, and my actions. No matter where we fall on some kind of imagined spectrum in society, right? Power, love, sound mind. This is what self-control, this is what the Bible tells us. So let's, let's live life in such a way as if things are actually going to work out because they are. Here's what Mary and Joseph knew in the story of Jesus. And this is what we teach our kids around Christmas. Is that Jesus came and he's like the fulfillment of everything, man. He's the plan of God. He's the promise of God. He's the chosen one. He's the ultimate whatever. He healed everybody. He brought us grace. He did all this stuff. So Mary and Joseph didn't know what all that meant, but they knew God had a plan. So, man, we got to travel 70 miles. All right, there's a plan in that. I know we got to do it, so let's go do it. Let's have, a good about it. let's have a good attitude about it, and let's make it happen. Right? Like, okay, we don't have any place to, we don't have a, a bed. Okay, let's put them in a manger. That's what we got right now. Do what you can with what you have where you are, and let God take care of everything else. And that's really simple to talk about, but it's hard to do. But if we can do that, I promise you, I promise you, if we can do that, the world will end up being a better place. Like our kids will be better. We'll, have, we'll feel like powerful in our life. We'll understand that no matter what happens to me, I don't have to have issues. You know, some people, I know none of the people in this room or anybody watching this, some people really live their life as if they're required to have an issue. Like, this happened to me, so now I have to have this issue. So my dad was this way, I got daddy issues. Well, I mean, you can if you want. Now, I'm not saying that to diminish it. That's, those things are really hard to navigate, and that's why we need great people around us. And that's why we need relationships. And that's why we need to have a real understanding of the power of a season like this and of moments like this where God comes in the person of Jesus and he interrupts the world and he says, there's a plan. Because if I'm going to, you know, God, if I'm going to let go of the externals in my life, I'm going to have to believe that it's going to work out. And 2,000 years ago, through the person of Jesus, this is what God says to us. Yeah, I got you. Like, we're good. I'm for you all the way. Romans 8 tells us all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So let's not complain about the things we can't do with all the things we don't have while we're in the wrong place. Let's just do what we can with what we have where we are and let God take care of the rest. Can you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? You know, um, this season represents uh, maybe the most significant time in world history where Jesus came to the earth and there's a whole lot of depth there theologically and otherwise. Uh, but Jesus represents God being able to control the things that we can't, just really simply. I know we're sitting here and, you know, it's really easy for me to get up on stage and just talk about stuff like this and say, hey, let's just do a better job. Um, and that's true. But also, we got to be people that just place our trust in the right kind of places, too. we got to place our trust in God. You know, what the story of Jesus shows us is that God has had a plan since the very beginning, and he's going to bring that to pass. And we have to recognize that, and we also have to choose to play our part. So maybe in this season, you've maybe called yourself a Christian, 
Maybe you felt like you were a Christian at different times. Maybe you just like, are like unsure about this whole thing. Uh, but you want to trust in the plan. Just want to let go of the stuff you can't control. I mean, let's do it, you know? Nothing you do about, <laughs> nothing you can do about those things anyway except let them go. If you keep holding on to them, it's not going to fix. So what that requires us to do in the most positive sense is to believe that there's a God who has a plan. And most importantly, it requires us to put ourselves in a position where we control the things that we can control in the best way that we know how. And that's what following Jesus is all about. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.